Hello, and welcome to Stumbling in the Dark, the podcast where we explore the interplay of words and meaning, light and darkness, on our personal journeys. I'm your host, Jason Bott. Why this name, Stumbling in the Dark? Well, we're all on a journey, often filled with more questions than answers. The texts we'll explore together serve as flashes of light, brief illuminations that can guide us along the way. They may not solve all of life's mysteries, but they'll surely shine enough light for us to take that next step with a little bit more confidence and a little less fear. We live in a world often defined by stark dualities, light and dark, known and unknown. It's in the gray zone, those periods of dusk and dawn, where we often find the most profound insights. Robert Frost wrote, I have been one acquainted with the night, a lie that resonates with anyone who's ever felt lost or isolated. And in that space, the night is something to be acquainted with, something to develop a relationship with, not something to just survive, not something just to walk through, but something to actually explore rather than shun. And just as that one single line of frost can help us reorient our entire perspective towards dark moments, all written words can. In fact, it's remarkable how the written word has that power to guide us, whether through a deeply reflective poem or a groundbreaking novel. The ink on the page can become the very light we seek. Not to be too cliche, but it can be a compass for the soul, pointing us towards an understanding we didn't even know that we needed. For me personally, books and stories and poems have long served as that compass, and in many ways, as my portable therapist. They are the luminous footprints left by those who journeyed ahead of me. They've also been that little bit of light cast back onto the terrain that exists between me and them. Each page becomes an instrument of self-discovery, offering insights not just into the text, but in my own inner life as well. I find that as I unlock the secrets within those words, I'm also unlocking my own joys and pains gaining a clearer understanding of the road I'm traveling. For today, episode one, we're going to venture into the world of Philip Larkin and his poem, Abad. An Abad is a French word and it traditionally means a song or poem about lovers separating at dawn. Larkin takes this concept and transforms it and instead it chooses to focus on an existential dread that awakens our first moments of light. That dawn, instead of symbolizing new beginnings, initially becomes a reminder of life's inevitable end. But I would ask that as we read it, recognize that Larkin, like all great writers, is a master of layering that there is another thing that's happening in this poem. That what is presented to us at first is actually not what he's 
ultimately attempting to communicate. And in that, in the light of the new day, and what truly is the new dawn that's awakening, is where the beauty of Larkin's work exists. So let's delve into a bod and see how Larkin's words can illuminate our understanding of life, death, and that ever ambiguous dawn, that gray area that lies in between, that gray area that we walk right now, that we stumble in, in this moment. Abad by Philip Larkin. I work all day and get half drunk at night. Waking at four to soundless dark, I stare. In time, the curtain edges will grow light. Till then, I see what's really always there. Unresting death, a whole day nearer now, making all thought impossible. But how and where and when I shall myself die? Arid interrogation. Yet the dread of dying and being dead flashes afresh to hold and horrify. The mind blanks at the glare, not in remorse. The good not done, the love not given, time torn off and used, not wretchedly because only an only life can take so long to climb clear of its wrong beginnings and may never. But it's a total emptiness forever. The sure extinction that we travel to and shall be lost in always. Not to be here, not to be anywhere. And soon, nothing more terrible, nothing more true. This is a special way of being afraid. No trick dispels. Religion used to try that vast moth-eaten musical brocade created to pretend we never die and specious stuff that says no rational being can fear a thing it will not feel nor seeing that this is what we fear no sight no sound no touch or taste or smell nothing to think with nothing to love or link with the anesthetic from which none come round and so it stays just on the edge of vision a small unfocused blur a standing chill that slows each impulse down to indecision. Most things may never happen. This one will. And realization of it rages out in furnace fear when we are caught without people or drink. Courage is no good. It means not scaring others. Being brave lets no one off the grave. Death is no different wind at than withstood. Slowly light strengthens, and the room takes shape. It stands plain as a wardrobe, what we know, have always known, know that we can't escape, yet can't accept. One side will have to go. Meanwhile, telephones crouch, getting ready to ring in locked up offices, and all the uncaring, intricate, rented world begins to rouse. The sky is white as clay with no sun, work has to be done. Postmen like doctors go from house to house. That was a bod by Philip Larkin. There is quite a lot in this poem that could be read through and interpreted. A bod plays around with multiple reactions to death and I think the easiest way for me to always go with the text is to start at the beginning because 
all good writers are in a way guiding us as a journey, taking us as a tour guide, walking us point to point, allowing us to experience and building in a way off of each new experience, taking us so far and saying, okay, now that we've experienced this, then I can add to this. So we start in a very tangible way. This early morning waking of four, a soundless dark, a waking after a half-drunk night, in which it is good to remember that he has required some form of drink to end the day. We'll have to remember that later for the final stanza. And line three gives us a bit of a promise. In time, the curtain edges will grow light. This is the first sign that the sun is rising, that dawn is coming. In a way, it is the curtain edges glow which fulfills the promise of the title of this poem, Abad. But until then, until the light strikes that curtain edge, until that very sliver appears, in the soundless dark, Larkin is faced with something haunting, unresting death. He is alone at night with his thoughts, and in the hollow of that moment, he is faced with the inevitable thing that faces us all. We all will die. Line 8, he uses this great description, arid interrogation, the dryness of the reality, the fact that we will ultimately come to the point where we will die, and that we are not sure how or when or where it will happen in a way that interrogation, that constant questioning of the universe is dry. We are always throwing it out at all times. And for myself, I do it. I'm always looking out towards the future, wondering when that inevitable moment will happen. Will it come in a car crash? Will it come late at night with a heart attack? Will it come silently at some moment with a burst of blood vessel in my head? What will it be that ends my life and I'm greeted with nothing but an arid desert in answer? The mind blanks at the glare. He says this, not in remorse, the good not done, the love not given, time torn off and used. And I, I love that he brings this up because this is part of the pain of this. We, we do wonder so much of the fact that there is so much that can go missing in death of what we did not do, of what we could not happen, of love that we did not achieve. You hear everybody talk about the remorse and, and the pain that they go through or their regrets when they look back as they're nearing the edge of death. But for Larkin, he says, that is not it. What is truly glaring, and again, note what he does here, even though he's talking about it is the darkness, the soundless darkness, which brings the reminder of eternal death he inserts the word glare. That death is shining. That death, in one second before that, flashes afresh to hold and horrify. So he's mixing this metaphor, this imagery, that 
death is bright. And so in the brightness of facing death, there is a glare in what is the most glaring aspect of death. It is that we will ultimately not be here and not be anywhere. It will be total emptiness forever. There will be nothing more terrible, nothing more true. And he moves in stanza three to some of the wider bombs that we have attempted to throw at this glaring fact in front of us. And he goes, this is a special way of being afraid. There is nothing that can truly dispel it, even though we have tried. And he points to the one that often most people turn to. Religion used to try. And I would argue religion still tries today. But for Larkin, religion has ceased to provide a response that actually justifies. For Larkin, religion can no longer even provide it. And it is for religion that Larkin provides his sharpest commentary, calling it a vast, moth-eaten musical brocade. Created to pretend that we never die. So there's pretension there. There is an imagination. The word spacious there means something that is absolutely not true. That is superficial. No rational being can fear a thing that will not fee or fill, which is untrue. We absolutely can fear the void of death. And so we invent fantasy at least as Larkin is saying. And I love his final reminder of what death is at the end of stanza three there. It is the anesthetic from which none come round. We are dropped into sleep. The stanza four brings us back to the first and he goes, and so it just stays on the edge of vision, reminding us of the curtain edges about to glow bright. A small and focused blur, a standing chill that slows each impulse down to indecision. And this line here, most things may never happen, but this one will. All the things we fear in life. The reality is, these things may never happen. Of all the things, all of the hopes and dreams, all of the fears and wonders, the one thing that is always certain is that death will arrive. We will encounter this void. And yes, we can placate our hearts with the words of that moth-eaten musical brocade, and yet we are still struck with the fact that internally, if we're all truly honest, even those who placate that fear with religion, we all navigate it or more than navigate, we all understand that special way of being afraid of the future. And for Larkin, he switches the tone here. Realization of it rages out in furthest fear. He creates this compound word, furnace fear, this glowing, burning thing when we are caught without people or drink. Again, reminder that the way that he deals with before he goes to sleep is to get drunk. 
that we surround ourselves with people. We surround ourselves with these things that numb, harking back to the anesthetic, that we take anesthetic right now in the form of conversation and relationships, in the conversation of drink, or in, in the form of drink, to help keep us away from this, the ultimate anesthetic. And yet, when we are without those, we are left with just this simmering, this burning, emberful fear that's deep down inside a furnace deep in the middle of the house of our lives. He ends that with death is no different wind at than withstood. I'm reminded of the poem that ends rage, rage against the dying of the light. It doesn't matter if we rage where he says withstood, we whine at it. It does not matter. Death is no different. Being brave lets no one off the grave. Being a coward lets no one off. Courage is no good. Nothing we do prevents this inevitable. And at this point in four stanzas, this is dark. This is no gray land. This is anything else but light. But we must be reminded of the title. This isn't a bod. This is a poem that greets the dawn. And he ends with this. Slowly light strengthens and the room takes shape. And he does two things here. The first one he does is remind us of the average daily world. The dawn arrives for him. He has survived the night. This furnace fear can begin to wash out because all of a sudden, the fakeness of life, the crouching telephones that are going to all of a sudden bring our consciousness back to the immediate are going about to be ringing, will be pent up in locked up offices. There will be all the uncaring, intricate, rented world. I love the word rented. In other words, we it's not permanent. The world that we live in, the world that demands our attention, the world of jobs and bills and credit and social media, all of this is rented. It has nothing of a hold upon our lives and it is intricate as a woven fabric and uncaring. And as the dawn comes, this world begins to rouse itself. We are enforced, work has to be done. He puts postmen and doctors in the same line, reminding us that it does not matter your position in life, you are still caught in this strange, intricate, rented world that keeps you from facing the fear of death and it grabs your attention. But this is where Larkin gives us a light onto our path. He is realizing that he's also going after this whole thing at another level. Line three, in time, the curtain edges will grow light. And the final stanza, slowly light strengthens and the room takes shape. All of the first four stanzas are telling us that death is about to arrive. Death is coming. Death is inevitable. We cannot get past it. And in the last one, he says, slowly light strengthens and the room takes shape. It stands as a wardrobe. What we know, have always known, know that we can't escape, can't accept one side will have to go and 
He plays a little bit of a trick because we assume he means that the one thing that will have to go is this dark world and we fall back into the real world. But actually what he's saying is this, that death is the bright death. And he, he gives us the hint before. Remember, he said that death is the glaring, that death flashes afresh. What makes the curtain edges grow light? It is actually death itself. Death is the dawn. The abode here, this song or poem greeting the dawn. What is the dawn? What is the light coming over the horizon, which shines a light, which brings absolute brilliant clarity to everything in life, which makes it actually glow, which makes light stand out, which makes life have purpose. It is death itself. It is light which strengthens and the room that takes shape is the world that we're in, is the life that I'm in, so that as I begin to look forward and the furnace of fear grips me, I must realize that it is the inevitableness of death that shines as a sun. And Larkin tells us and gives us more than just placated hope that a vast moth-eaten musical Burkhard tries to give, he tells us that in the harsh reality that death brings, that the reality of death without any form of makeup or falseness and any form of pretension to lie or deceive or say it is not what it is, but as a stark reality, in accepting a stark reality, you will actually find a light that brings clarity to the world and will absolutely bring light into the dark parts. And for me, I cannot think of a better poem to start out this podcast, Stumbling in the Dark. I don't know the next step in life. But I think tonight I can move a little bit further ahead with a reflection on death, recognizing that it is coming. It is absolutely going to come. But realizing that in the starkness of that reality, that embracing the harshness and inevitability of the end, that this dark world appears a little bit brighter. I'm always curious to know what you think. I'd love for you to provide your insights on the website. There's links for you to give your thoughts, ideas on the social media contacts here as well everything's in the description as we come to the end of our journey in this first episode through Philip Larkin's Abad again we're reminded of the potency that words hold they are guides and mirrors reflecting our human experience we venture through the liminal space of dawn not as a place of new beginnings but as an existential threshold a transition between the comforts and curses of lives. 
we have, in a way, become acquainted a little bit more with night, just as Robert Frost said that he had. We have maybe put our hand in the hand of night, not shunning it. Larkin's Awakening to the Dawn has served as a guide, and along with Robert Frost's encouragement, served as two points on the same spectrum. Between dark and light, we find the terrain of our lives filled with challenges and punctuated by fleeting moments of clarity. We've been guided today by Larkin's words, stark yet illuminating, just like death, challenging us to confront our shared existential dread, to stare into that abyss and find not just a semblance of understanding, but to stare into the glare as the dawn shines on our day. I hope today's episode has been that flash of light that we talked about earlier. The one that even if just for a moment illuminates your path. It might not give us all the answers, but it offers just enough to help us see our way to the next question, the next challenge. The next moment of beauty or struggle in our journey. You've been listening to Stumbling in the Dark. Where each episode aims to provide that momentary light. That brief guide for the soul to help you along your way. Remember... Even in the darkest corners of our experience, the words we explore together can offer enough illumination for us to take that next step. Maybe with a little less trepidation. Maybe, just maybe with a newfound perspective. I'm Jason Bott, and I'll be with you, stumbling and searching, as we continue our journey through the world of words. And until next time, keep stumbling keep searching, and as always, keep the light on.